Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the second episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race 30 podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who regularly competes athletically with champions, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. The lady whose husband has been teaching her all about diamonds, Michelle Pierce Denovan. <laughs> Hi. And returning after far, far too long, about 16 months, I think it is, the Australian whose safe word is aubergine, Ben Powell. <laughs> Suppose. <laughs> I spent far too long trying to jokingly guess what Ben's safe word was so that I would avoid his probable safe word. <laughs> Rude. Straff. <coughs> I'm kidding, what? So what have you been up to in the past year and a third? Uh, most of just, I just moved to Melbourne. And it's like, you know, when you when you finally move out of your parents' house, it's sort of like, oh, I have, to, I have like responsibilities now. Oh, I have to be an adult. Oh. And it's like, I don't have time to podcast about reality shows anymore. Ah. Oh. But now I do, so. Yay. And now you're back from outer space. <laughs> I just... I'm going to sing it. And not just podcasting, you're doing the Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother uh, blogs as well, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing recaps of those every, after every eviction, like in the in the two days after the eviction at least. Shameless plug for you there. Yes. Take it as, as much as you need to. Even the American version? <laughs> ah, you're funny, Logan. Frankie Grande will probably be in it. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, okay. Do you know the cast for it yet? No idea. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows the cast for it yet because they're being ridiculously secretive about this, even though no one cares. <laughs> yeah, one of the like one of like the um, the very first rumors I heard about the cast was um, Scaramucci guy who got fired from like the White House. That was like one of the very first oh. rumors I heard because like about I don't know, like five minutes after he got fired, he started like following all the brother people on, on his Twitter account. So I was like, hmm, nothing good has come from Big Brother in years. Well, American Big Brother, at least. Obviously. I mean, Kim Woodburn is a thing. Yeah. Don't get started with me, lovey. Go away, you adulterer. I won't take this nonsense. Weirdly, I made a reference to that on Hudson yesterday as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people who, the people who only watch Amazing Race can be so confused. They are. Kim Woodburn is an icon of Celebrity Big Brother UK, which, weirdly, is still less than a year old, her appearance. But can you imagine Kim Woodburn doing Amazing Race tasks? Like she does, she does a, does a puzzle, comes up and is like, does a puzzle, turns it in. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Don't you start with me. She sounds good. She's most well known for um, doing a How show clean called is your house? How Clean Is Your House? Yeah, where she went in and cleaned people's houses who were basically hoarders. <sighs> but she was a left field choice for a celebrity, bro- celebrity Big Brother series last year. And she turned out to be... An icon, basically. She has her own dance remix. Oh, God. Yeah, she's like one of the most quotable people to ever appear on reality television in the past few years, so... She's certainly an experience. I think she would be an absolute nightmare to live with, but she's very, very entertaining. Goes to, like, most most good Big Brother contestants, so... So, previously, ten teams began a race around the world from New York's Washington Square Park by jumping into a fountain. As they landed in Reykjavik, April and Sarah fought while everyone else soared over a zipline. At the roadblock, Sean struggled while Cedric got them a penalty for helping. Christy and Jen took the gold medal for the first leg, while the closest pit stop race ever knocked out Desi and Kayla. I get it. Puns. Puns that they keep doing over and over again until we drum them into our heads. Oh, knocked out! I just got it! <laughs> what? Are you serious? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, can, I can never tell of you. 
<laughs> Welcome back, Ben. <laughs> and everyone starts getting confused because there's no intro straight after the uh, the previously section, like always. Amazing Race has dropped the shock, I tell you. They delay the intro by five minutes now? What the hell is this? This is going against the whole integrity of the show. Ignoring the, you know, various stunt casting and the fact that it's champions this time around, Amazing Race has jumped the shark purely because it doesn't have the intro immediately anymore. Most competitive season ever. And we open with Christy vomiting from the Black Death. <laughs> Weirdly, wasn't that one of the reasons you couldn't podcast, Ben? Because you were vomiting from the Black Death? Um, sounds like one of the reasons I'm not podcast. And teams must now fly to Amsterdam and then take a train to Antwerp in Belgium. And once there, they need to find the chocolate line where they'll receive their next clue at nine o'clock. And they have $272 for this leg of the race. They're going to Amsterdam. No bad race leg has ever happened in Amsterdam, which is why this one takes place in Antwerp. <laughs> and they're all on the same flight. Why are they doing that to us? Of course they are. Despite the fact that Schiphol is the 12th busiest airport in the world, they're all still on the same flight. So annoying. Wait, which one is which one is the twelfth busiest in the world? Schiphol. Ah, it's uh, second busiest in Europe, I think it is, and uh, the twelfth in the world. That's amazing. I did not know that. Presumably, Frankfurt is number one. And Henry and Evan begin their their leg by saying that they can compete athletically with champions, as they proved in the last leg. And whenever you get a confessional like this, you just go, "Oh, guys, don't say that. Please, don't say that." this round, because you're going to compete and you're going to lose. Oh, okay. I guess that's how you can interpret it. Like, it seems like a more of a... I'm just saying, like, straight up, I think I think Henry and Evan are going to win, so... I think they are as well. I'm just interpreting everything they say as, like, a winner quote, so... They were my preseason pick. So, I am on that train as well, then. Toot toot! I believe Ernie and Cindy vibes is the phrase that's been frequently thrown around here and on the internet regarding Henry and Evan. Yeah, they're incredibly prepared. And Christy and Jen and Trevor and Chris end up teaming up at the travel agents to try and find the, the best route. I was hoping that we would see the shopping bag lady, because this was like the last chance before going to, uh, before leaving Iceland, and nothing. I'm so sad. What ha- does any- does, has anybody tracked her down at all? Was she on a vacation or something? Is there a shopping bag lady? What's the story? Okay, so um, in the first episode of Maze Race Season 6... You know, you know how like in a lot of a lot of like seasons of Amazing Race, you get these really weird like people that aren't aren't contestants or judges that is like random pedestrians who like un- stand out really qu- really mm. clearly. Well, in the first episode of uh, season six, in like a like I think it was Laurie and Bolo who were asking for directions, and uh, they asked directions from this like random late random lady standing like standing right beside a field like with a with their hands full of shopping bags, and I was like, there was no buildings around or anything. It was just like, she was just out there doing what? Nobody knows. <laughs> and um, her and her, internet, and her nickname from that point on was being Lady Shopping in the Field. I missed that. Did you not see her in the uh, the Ata of Iceland video, Logan? If you look really carefully, you can see her. I only saw the short version. I didn't see the extended version of that music video. How many days did it get stuck in your head for? A couple. It's really, really catchy. As I mentioned last week, the Icelandic Tourist Board did a competition called The Eta of Iceland, and they released an accompanying music video, and it is the most catchy video I've ever seen a Tourist Board produce. It is ridiculous. And you can basically speak Icelandic after uh, you watch it. Cool. I'll check it out once I watch, once I watch you know, Dutch Mall and uh, <laughs> that. What, never? No, not never. Just probably like, you know, year 2027 or something. It's the polite way of saying it, Ben. Never. 
And, yeah, the intro ends up being post-flight, and Phil doesn't even get a look-in anymore. So after he forced Bertram to put him in the intro last week, he gets taken out again in revenge. (laughs) (laughs) We have a theory that Phil had a hissy fit until he he got some more recognition, because he'd been an an executive producer for so long, he now wanted to be in the intro. (laughs) They made the compromise once. And there's absolutely zero mention of the hours of operation as well being at nine o'clock apart from in Phil's intro. But there are like, you know, uh, have you heard about like what, what actually happened What like while they were waiting for the place to open? Yes, I have. Yeah, like, I think it was, I, I think it was Connor on Twitter. He mentioned that um, they all had to sleep on the, like, that's all had to sleep on the floor of this like uh, building nearby, but right, it was right next to a club that was going all night. So basically, you know, it was 5 a.m., they were still trying to sleep, and then there's like, there was still like, you know, hardcore techno going or something. Oh, lovely. What do you think about Alex and Connor, by the way? Eh, I mean. They seem like the sort of team that on paper you would hate. I thought that I, I did initially, but then now I've warmed up, warmed up to them a bit. I think they're quite sneaky funny. They're sort of funny, I guess. Like, um, they know, like, Team Trump, where the entire characterization is, oh, we eat. But, like, you know, there's just sort of like I, I appreciate the occasional self-deprecating remark, but yeah, I've got I've got you know I've got my sights set elsewhere. Who are your favourite teams, regardless of like how you think slash know they do? Who are your favourite teams? Um, well, the lifeguards, obviously. <laughs> um, They're another team where I didn't expect them to be this good in the preview. I'm pleasantly surprised with how much I like them. April and Sarah, that was like a shocking turn. Because it was like, oh, I did not expect, I did not expect them to be this aggro. Knew I would like them, didn't think I would love them. I like Henry Nevin as well, and Trevor and Chris. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed we've seen so little of them, given that from the bio they could have been one of my favourite teams. Um, they seem to be like blandly narrating things, but like in a in a nice tone, which is basically like the most. Uh, I guess I just like them for aesthetic reasons. Well, Trevor said that uh, his hobbies include meme wars. Yeah, but who in the year of our Lord 2018 isn't a meme warrior? And once teams get the clue in the morning, it's a roadblock which is who's ready to get high, other than Kevin and Ryan. And in this roadblock, one team member must climb a 100-foot rope ladder in a time limit, and if they reach the top, they can collect their next clue. Which they all did very easily. Not very easily, but they they all got there eventually. Yeah, they got there in time. They all got there within the time limit, so the the time limit didn't really need to be mentioned at all. Nope. And it's Sean, Christy, Chris, Joey, Evan, Sarah, Lucas, Alex, and Eric doing this roadblock. I thought this was like the first head-to-head thing. I thought this was the head-to-head challenge, just because they had four of them go simultaneously. They had the second group of four, and then a group of two. But no, it was just a roadblock designed to keep everyone really close together. Yeah, this would have been cool as a double battle. Not really. Like, I mean, in the spirit of the whole double battle thing, like... You know how you know how like Hammerots gets the double battle and Maze Runner's Canada does not. Yes, very yes. Well, this this is sort of like halfway there because they got the they got the um the spirit of the challenges. You know, like ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. But apart from the placement at the end, but we'll get to that. But like, yeah, climbing up a ladder that would have been like Amazing Race Canada level. So, well, Amazing Race Canada level is probably going to be competitive Sudoku by some point. Oh, nice. By heroes. On ice by hashtag heroes. <laughs> it's a special Canadian-centric ice version of Sudoku. <laughs> the numbers are just the nine different shapes of igloos. The problem is, we joke about this, but it's a very real possibility that Amazing Race Canada could get to this level. They've already done curling twice. Maybe they'll just keep doing curling like another three or four freaking times. 
I'm guessing that you didn't get through uh, Amazing Race Canada then. No, I did not. <laughs> Why won't they realise that it's the only way we're going to do Amazing Race Canada podcast again is if I have someone to brutally mock who I know. That's what Gordon Wayne are for, Michael. That's what Gordon Wayne are for. Yeah, but we mock them normally on every podcast. And uh, Joey struggles to run to the crane. He does not have good cardio. He's like a guy who smokes 20 cigarettes a day. Or maybe eats, you know, a guy who eats like 50 hot dogs a day. It's almost like eating eight pounds of, uh, of chips in six minutes is bad for you or something. <laughs> Most competitive season ever. This must have been like the biggest tease of a location for Joey and Tim because they're in the country that's known for beer, chocolate, waffles, and french fries. And they don't get to touch any of it. They, get, they even get to dress up as french fries and handle french fries, but not eat the french fries. That's just that's just sadistic. I mean, if you wanted to eat those french fries at the end, I imagine you could go ahead, but they'd, probably, they'd be pretty gross. They'd be defrosted by that point. And he's at the pit stop, around the pit stop greeter with the fellow saying, Hey, do you know these two guys can eat you know 10 pounds of french fries in 16 minutes? We have a few bags right here if they want to prove prove themselves right now. Just just go at it, Joey and Tim. Put up or shut up. Why does your Phil Keegan impression sound like John Montgomery? Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's been a bad week for podcast impressions, all right? We had a slight bit of criticism from the Chief of the Hunters from Hunted when he heard Anthony's impression. <laughs> I did see that. God, I love Flex so much. <laughs> He's an absolute star. I said this to Ant yesterday when we were recording, but as soon as he tagged Blex in in a tweet with me, I thought, oh no, it's going to get to the point where Blex hears my bad impression of him. And then we got the hilarious criticism from him. I'm like, oh, Blex gets it, it's fine. Did you do an impression too? I didn't even hear your impression. I tend to cut my Blex impressions because they're terrible and Ant does them much better than I do. And you know, it's the prerogative of editing. Right, Michael, don't quit your day job. Not unless the podcast takes off finally. Ah, yes, all that that podcast money. It could happen eventually. I still have a small bit of hope. (laughs) Am I the only one that's surprised that both Cedric and Sean, who are seven feet tall NBA players, are both afraid of heights? I understand one being afraid, but both? They are heights. They are heights. Yeah. It's a big thing, (laughs) this afraid of heights, isn't it? So many people are afraid of it. I mean, falling. Yeah, to be fair, I'm not sure I would want to climb a 100-foot crane in very windy Belgium. Oh, but you're tied on. What's the problem? Yeah, but in, in that area of the world, because there's zero hills, the wind just comes a-rushing. That's okay. You're tied on. What's the problem? Yeah, it makes it much harder. Yeah, but it's not It's not as though you're in fear of falling. I mean, when you got when you got a fear of heights, like, the fact that you're tied on doesn't really, you know, help you. It doesn't do that. anything. Not really, like all you know, <laughs> doesn't make sense like, at all. No, because like when you tie when you tied on and like you when you're not tied on you and you got heights, like oh my god, if I fall, I die. And then like if you t- are tied on, it's like oh my god, if I fall, this could snap and I could die. Was Cedric was even fearful just watching Sean do this roadblock? Was he too afraid to give him advice? <laughs> he put the hand over the other hand. Oh damn! And I helped him out on how to do this task. <laughs> It would be a hilarious running joke if it ends up with Cedric just helping Sean every single time he does a roadblock and getting a penalty because of it. That's the sort of running joke I can appreciate from a team as boring as them. I mean, they're not that boring. There's like 
you know, more boring teams than them on this season. There's, you know, some of them with the exact same gender makeup and who survived this leg over much more entertaining teams. Cough, cough. I don't understand who they are. Why didn't we see them? Which ones? Is this the first time this has happened? I think it's just a case of they don't give any sound bites. Crazy. I, th- I do think I do think it's kind of hilarious that like this is like heralded as a team, of, a, like a a season of champions and competitive people, and then you have all these like stars in the fields and stuff, and then you have these two random twin firefighters from like I'm gonna guess like Minnesota or something. Oh, it's Louisiana, obviously. Can you not tell from the fact that they sound exactly the same as Wes Nail? It's quite startling. They're from um... Keithville. I can't remember which bit of Louisiana it is, but they've mentioned it a few times. But they're definitely from Louisiana anyway. And it ends up with Sean, Joey, and Chris leaving in first. And it's an immediate detour, which is old print or diamond glint. And in old print, teams must recreate their next clue using a printing press. And once they recreate it, they can get it translated by a local and work out their next location. And in diamond glint, teams must learn how to appraise diamonds and correctly add up the total value of three diamonds and a necklace to get their next clue. What would you guys do? Printing press. Same. Diamond. Printing press. Diamond's hard to um, find inclusions and what inclusions there are. Have you ever looked in a thing at a diamond? It's really hard to see what people think are inclusions. Yeah, but like the, the printing press one just seems like a you know one-way trip to Anxietyville. There's like so many tiny little letters and yet there's so many things you have to do and like, you know, like not seeing one of them being the right way, destroying your entire transfer clue would be like, would be like, you know, I'm going to throw my chair out the window. On the other hand, there is a definite trick that you can work out to that one. Whereas it is a little bit pot luck with the diamonds. It is. It's a bit, you know. As long as, you know, as long as you don't have flaky hands. There's a certain trick that you can, you can use as long as you work out that it's on paper, you can hold it up to the light of the building backwards to get what it should look like or have a mirror in your bag like Brittany. That's a very Da Vinci Code way of solving a task. I was impressed. That's quite Treasure Hunters. Sorry, I can't get the flaky hands thing out of my brain now. That's quite gross. <laughs> Michelle, you saw a picture of my feet yesterday. That's not as gross. <laughs> How did you bring it up again? <laughs> Just as bad. To each other. I don't want to know the context of this, thank you. <laughs> it's from the Hunted podcast. Basically, one of the fugitives ended up going to a place that's probably about five, ten miles from my house, a town called Ramsbottom. And I said that my lasting memory of Ramsbottom is the fact that I had a toenail removed there. Michelle and Anthony didn't believe that one of my toes now looks weird because I had a toenail removed. So I sent a picture to the group chat. I'm glad I did not see that when I was over at uh, your house. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse, they were saying that I have hobbit feet. <laughs> <laughs> and back to Alex and Connor being nincompoops. They try and find a taxi to the roadblock, which ends up being 100 metres away. And then even when the taxi driver says, no, no, you don't need a taxi, they still take one anyway. They don't get out? No. Maybe foreshadowing them running out of money or something? Because like, that's still going to be like eight... like. I don't know, if it's, just, if it's in Australia and you, like, took a taxi 100 metres down the road, it'd still, it'd still be, like, $8.50. Yeah, there'd still be that base fare that they would have to pay. It'd probably still cost them about €5. Euros. Oh, yeah, like, taxis are slightly cheaper over there, I guess? I'm trying to think what the base fare is over here. It's about pound seventy, I think. Logan, where are taxis more expensive, America or Europe? Uh, I would say the States, yeah. Yeah, definitely more expensive in the States. And Christy, Lucas, Evan, and Sarah leave the roadblock in second. 
and then it's Alex and Eric who leave last. And we found out on the way to the detail that Lucas and Brittany's safe word is apparently pineapple. That is so bizarre. Yeah, I'm not sure they exactly know what safe word means, but that's beside the point. Quisky, quisky, quisky. Oh my god, I have an idea for the banner. Oh no. I don't know whether they're a big thing over in Canada or England, but the kids have something at the moment called squishies. And they're this like foam things that smell really nice. I've got a pineapple. <laughs> we could take a photo of the pineapple and make it the banner. The only well, squishies I know are from the Quickie Mart. Or we could have like, I don't know, like a Hawaiian pizza and Photoshop Britney's face onto all the pineapple pizzas, pieces. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I don't really want to make a habit of doing Photoshop banners every week. <laughs> that is good though. That is good. It is a good one. Given that last week's banner was uh, Connor and Alex as if Connor had a race car bed. I sleep in a race car bed. Do you, what do you sleep in? <laughs> I sleep in a big bed with my wife. Okay, you need to do it again. You done Photoshop last week. You need to do God's it this like, week. This is going to become a recurring thing now. <laughs> oh my God, she'd love it. As long as it doesn't like, turn out horrifying. That's kind of the fun, then. I mean, like, you know, there's, sort of, there's like gently horrifying, but then there's like horrifying, horrifying. The Connor in the bed thing was pretty horrifying last week. Now that was that was funny because it was just like only slightly disturbing. But whereas like you know th- you know hundreds of faces of Britney on a small piece on a piece on a pizza is like that's kind of like you know terrifying. Yes, actually terrifying. It's the type of pizza that would probably seep into my nightmares and keep me up at night for several years. And that is a reason to do it. Did you guys see that uh, John Carroll from Survivor Marquesas responded to one of my tweets on Twitter? I did not. No, I don't tend to follow your Twitter that much. Because um, on Twitter I was saying how when teams were at the chocolate factory and it was it, it was the second time in 30 seasons where teams go to a chocolate factory and the clue giver is a little person on the Amazing Race. And then John Carroll responded with a tweet of a bunch of Oompa Loompas from Willy Wonka. It is a little bit stereotypical. To go from season 5 to season 30, I, I mean, it's just weird that... The most random things are repeating patterns on this season of the Amazing Race. We go from hot dogs to uh, little people handing out clues at a chocolate factory. Just things you wouldn't expect to repeat. So I'm assuming like the end, at the end of the next Amazing Race season, the final task for eating a deep pan pizza? Yes. So I don't know why. Maybe they'll have another finish line in Chicago too. Everyone knows that it's going to be an Amazing Race Canada situation where towns bid for uh, Amazing Race to have their finish line there now. And the winner will be Sudbury with a $55,000 donation. And then the fans will still complain that they didn't show off the town correctly. They didn't show the real Sudbury. And uh, April says that her husband taught her about diamonds. Didn't she just make a, like, a joke about her engagement ring or something? Yeah, I think so. It's probably cubic zirconium. <laughs> that um, piccolo player at the printing place, my God, it would have driven me crazy trying to do it and have that going in the background. Well, that's kind of why they have certain musicians there, is to just try and put you off slightly. <laughs> because, like, you know, there's no entertainment in, like, everyone sitting quietly doing a thing in a, doing a thing in a room. Well, unless unless the thing is, like, handling, like, jewels worth an entire, entire year's salary and then dropping them on the floor. Could you imagine, though, if, like, um, if they had to, like, if one of them, if she dropped the dropped the diamond and, it, like, it had, it had an indentation in it? I, obviously, they wouldn't have it because the floor's not made of bedrock or, or whatever, but, like... <laughs> But like, you know, they're not like, finding it. Then have to like stop the race while they reprice the diamond so they can like like change the answer so they can recorrect it for what the actual actual answer is, and then they have to yeah. They should cross <laughs> out the number on screen and replace it with the new number. Yeah, so I was thinking like, well, this diamond, well, these diamonds <laughs> were worth uh, 
$106,970, but now because he dropped one, it's worth 76000 Thanks a lot. This diamond was 40000 Now it's 30000 thanks to somebody, April. Yeah, and fun fact, uh, Tina from season 13 actually negotiated the price down for them. Now <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets a diamond. They were originally worth over $150,000, but she managed to, to do a deal with them and, and got it down for them. You owe her. And um, Joey sweats all over the diamonds, because this is literally the most physical exercise he's ever done in his life. Other than chasing down an ice cream truck so he could see if he could eat all of the ice cream in the truck in less than 30 minutes. I like this image you have in your head of like competitive eaters being like whimsical children who chase after as much food as they can, even when they're not like competing. Well, there's another whimsical child on the season in Connor who pretty much lives with his parents in Alex. Most competitive season ever. Or with Lucas and Brittany when Lucas finishes the roadblock and then they're about to lean for a kiss and then Brittany says, Oh, you're sweaty. Gross. Ew, you have cooties. It's like Christy and Jen just vomited Black Death, but oh, Lucas is a little bit sweaty, so that's a no. <laughs> and um, yeah, Proto Adam, a.k.a. Connor, says that he only used a microscope once when he was in school. I mean, I guess we all had to for science class. Yeah, but we used it more than once. Uh, he probably yeah. just like spat on it to see what his own spit looks like, too. <laughs> and continuing the theme of Cedric and Sean thinking that they are far, far younger than they actually are, um, they joke with the printing guy that they're expecting some emojis on there. I mean, it was it was sort of funny, but like... Yeah, but it's better. It's like you know, probably actually like funnier than or funnier and more in touch with like like actual youth today than like every like attempt Amazing Race has tried in the past like ten seasons to try and make make the show not not for the you know the elderly. I just find myself sat there rolling my eyes at them though, though going, you're you're about thirty years too old to be making these jokes. How old are they again? He's like late forties. I mean, they're, just, they're still allowed to use phones. They don't get them taken away once you're up to 50. Yeah, but I feel far too old to be, like, using emojis, and I'm only 24. Really? Seriously? I use emojis yeah. all the time. I use I have, them all the time. I have you're friends the like, old man, Michael. I'm 24, and I have friends I only communicate with... An, I, I have friends I only communicate with with emojis. I tend to communicate with GIFs, if anything. Usually the Michelle No Way GIF, but... <laughs> I even use emojis, Michael, and I've been stuck in the 1990s for the past 24 years of uh, 26 years of my life. And you only had a smartphone like a year ago. Yes, and I am in the emoji game. I was about to ask if Nokia phones had emojis yet. <laughs> Nokia's are making a comeback, all right. Because I go, I just really want to play that one engage game. You can play Snake, Snake and Bubble Bobble, my two favorites. <laughs> so yeah. Cedric and Sean do get a rejection, but then they leave the detour in first. And teams will now head to the Grotemarkt, the pit stop for this leg of the race. However, to be able to check in, they must first win a double battle. And in this double battle, both team members must dress up as bags of chips and then race against another team in an apparently traditional free to race around the square, pushing a dolly of eight bags of frozen chips. Uh, they must cross the finish line first in order to be able to check in. Losing teams will have to wait for the next team to arrive, and the last team standing will be eliminated. I don't know how... the double battle? Why is it called the double battle? Instead of in- intersection. It's an intersection. Intersection is a completely different thing. Weirdly, intersection was the first name of this task, but double battle is the most common name because that is what um, Israel call it. 
So it started as the intersection in Latino America 2. I'm going to give everyone a history lesson now because I'm fed up with people calling it the face-off because it's never been the face-off. It started in Latino America 2 as the intersection, moved to Israel where it became the double battle, has also been in China and Philippines uh, as the double battle, and then Canada. I have a problem. What's the problem, Michelle? A battle is between two people, correct? Or two teams. Well, a double battle would be four. Well, that's probably why they didn't call this one the double battle, because like it's a, in all double battles, like in in you know Canada and a lot of them, in, a lot of them in you know every other country that does it, it is like a team competing against another team. So it's like two v two. That is sort of a double battle. Yeah. Whereas here it's only just one v one v one. In Israel, they've become the most famous for the double battles because they feature such stellar tasks as strip poker in Vegas. They've chocolate wrestled. They've dressed people as witches and given them roller skates and they had to throw bats into each other's cauldrons. Israel is crazy, basically, and this is a large part of why Israel is crazy. So we're never going to see the word intersection again because it's now called double battle. Intersection isn't double battle. Intersection is two teams cooperating, double battle is two teams competing. Mm. And they still use the intersection in like other countries, I think. We haven't had an intersection for a little while. What about that one that was in the water with kayaks? That was a face-off. Was that face-off? That was Canada's bastardization of the double battle, which is the well, face-off. I can't believe I'm actually having to say this on a podcast. Where, yeah, they tend to do sports for some reason, because that is the most Canadian thing to do. Right. So a face-off is a double battle. Yeah, so we've we've had yeah. five franchises do it. It started in Latino America as the intersection, then China, the Philippines, <laughs> and Israel do it as the double battle. Then Canada adopted it and bastardized it as a face-off, and now America's finally done it. It's sort of like they've took they've taken like two steps in in different directions, and one of them might have been forward because like they actually cut they sort of ca- did capture the spirit of the of what the face off of what the face off slash double battle slash head head should be with like you know dress up in a giant chip costume and race chips around a, a plaza. That's sort of like that's. It's not like the high budget insanity of of Hammerarts, but it's like the spirit's there, so that's nice. Yeah, and I have it on pretty good authority that this isn't the only double battle in this season. There are rumours of at least one more. Mm. On the final leg, the one that determines who wins this entire season comes down to a double battle. No. Can you imagine? It's in Chicago. Eat this pizza. Speed eating, but with deep dish pizza. Oh god, can you imagine if you lost eight of them, like... Like Henry and Evan nearly did. And Joey and Tim are in the final leg and you guys are all screwed. No, I, I've had it on pretty good authority that um, that the head-to-head signage was seen in at least one more leg. Uh, so yeah, it ends up being Cedric and Sean who lose the first double battle. And then they face off against Henry and Evan, which starts Henry and Evan's losing streak. And Phil decides to go in full-on Jeff Probst mode with the running commentary, and yes. it's even funnier because this is like the first. This is the first time where, in quite a while, where Phil Kogan sounds like he has a sore throat or a cold. Dig, Evan, dig. And I just have one note, which is Cedric and Sean after the detail, just going seriously, stop dabbing. I must say they are a bit old to be dabbing. Yes, they are. Yeah, I'm a bit old to be dabbing. Dabbing tops out at about 14. At Cedric's age, the only dabbing he should be doing is at bingo. <laughs> to dab the thought... sweat from his forehead when he like puts down the, each individual uh, strikes on his board. I thought you were about to go to a very different defi- definition of dabbing, though. So did I, actually. Hey, as an aside, 
what's the guy, the starting guy wearing on his suit? What what pictures are on his suit? I'm assuming pictures of chips. But also, more importantly, he sounded exactly like Deputy Minister Fatana when he said go. <laughs> Random. I think it was mainly in the last race. But when Phil cut to him and he went, go! It was like, yeah, Deputy Minister Fatana is finally here to just improve our days. The next Amazing Race crossover. Now he's just on Stilton in, in a clown costume. Deputy Minister Fatana is one of the best things about Amazing Race Asia 5, which is quite a high watermark, to be fair. There's a lot of great things about that season, but Deputy Minister Patana is definitely one of them. Listening to Phil, like, you know, um, what's the what's the word? Commentate. What's the, when you commentate on the challenges, I know words eventually. Listening to him comment, commentate on the challenges, it was like, oh, you know, like, you know that, remember that show Sliders? No. Show where, like, this guy, like, made a thing which could, like, create portals to, to alternate universes? Yes, I like that. Hearing him commentate was like a weird like trip to one of those universes where Phil Phil Keegan became the host of Survivor. I'm pretty sure he wasn't on like the the like the list to be the host at some point. He was. He was the alternative. Jeff Probe said no because that's why you got Amazing Race. Can you imagine them swapped? I'm trying to figure out whether it'd be like a, even a huge net loss for Amazing Race or like actually a net gain for Survivor. It'd be a net gain for Survivor because literally anyone other than Jeff Probes right now would be a gain for Survivor. I mean, true. I'm quietly confident that Ghost Island isn't going to be as much of a terrible season as the past two have been, but that's also not saying much. Oh, you have you have faith. That's what that's that's what fails you. But that's Ken's problem now. Either that, or um, or we're just going to get Jonathan Lapalia. Also good. I'm hoping that uh, that we get another um, Jonathan Lapalia bromance with someone as well, just like Craig. Thanks, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. There's one impression I can do. And Trevor and Chris get rejected at Diamonds, as do Joey and Tim. And then Christy and Jen leave print in second, and Henry and Evan leave print next. And then Lucas and Brittany and Eric and Daniel both get rejected, and Trevor and Chris leave in fifth. Eric and Daniel switch. Christy and Jen get third. Did you see that scene, like, when I think I was either one of the heading towards the detour, they were leaving the detour, when Christy was, like, for some reason she was, like, climbing over, like, the back of a pickup truck, and I was like, Christy, you're so awesome! And I was like... Why? You could, just, you could just literally walk around it. It's parked, so you don't have to worry about it pulling out on you. Hardcore! She's just emulating her idol, who is Frost from Survivor. She just loves Frosty so much. Maybe she'll be a ninja warrior. Maybe she'll overtake April. Or Ernest. Or Ernest, yes. Ernest is training up for it now. And uh, Alex and Connor leave Diamond in 6th, with Joey and Tim in 7th, and Lucas and Brittany leaving Print in 8th. Trevor and Chris checking in 4th, Alex and Connor checking in 5th, Lucas and Brittany in 6th. And it is really, really hard to work out who's in the lead when everyone is dressed in stupid costumes. But it was very difficult to work out who was who in the double bell. I mean, it's pretty easy because, like, if one of them's falling over and doing terribly, it's probably Henry. (laughs) Bless him. That was a really bad performance from them. I want to see Henry and Kathy have to do this challenge and just see who can fall over and trip over nothing more. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of like um when a, when an otherwise really good uh, competent team does like really terribly at one leg for for because of one thing or multiple things. Like when uh in, remember in Amazing Race 20 when Dave and Rachel like they did an entire leg and didn't complete a single task but still survived. Yeah, because they used the express pass and uh, took the penalty on the roadblock, didn't they? Yep, <laughs> it's quite impressive. And Joey and Tim check in in seventh. And then Henry and Evan finally win against April and Sarah and check in in 8th and become slightly more humble because of it. 
They had to wait three hours for April and Sarah to show up before they beat them. Wasn't it April and Sarah had to wait for Eric and Daniel for three hours? That's what I thought initially, but I heard it might have been the other. It was actually the um, the other way around, where Henry and Evan waited for April and Sarah, and then I think April and Sarah did wait for a while, quite a while too. Because I thought April had posted that they had to wait three hours for Eric and Daniel. Yeah, I oh, saw okay. that, but I, I think I also saw the other one as well. So maybe Eric and Daniel are actually six hours behind Henry and Evan. Which is quite impressive, given that this is a two-task leg. They just really, really sucked at the detour, because it seemed like they were at the detour for a while, because they were already in... They were close to last place when they decided to switch over to the other task anyway. And the diamond task looked like it t- it, it would uh, take at least an hour or so to do, so... It's very possible that they fell just that far behind, because they didn't have autocorrect for the printing press, which is <laughs> actually the only quote I remember from Eric and Daniel this whole episode. This whole season. Yes. Or when the one guy said, oh, I really hope that guy has, he has something in his mouth, and I certainly hope it's a clue. That's like the only other two lines they had this whole episode. So one that was mildly inappropriate, and one that was a terrible joke. Actually, both were terrible jokes. And Henry and Evan do check in in eighth, and then Eric and Daniel do beat out April and Sarah for the last spot in the next round. They check in in ninth, and April and Sarah are eliminated. That was a really shitty placement for the head-to-head, though. Oh, I know. Not even Amazing Race Canada does that. And I have a lot of bad things to say about Amazing Race Canada because it is so unbelievably downhill. But, like, not even Amazing Race Canada would be that silly. Yeah, it's like, I sort of understand it, but it's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> don't. Like, this is a show about traveling and getting to, getting to destinations. Don't decide an entire elimination leg by racing french fries. I mean, that, that's funny as hell, but still. Because had the double battle not been there we would have seen Cedric and Sean winning the leg, and we would have seen um, Henry and Evan in third. And most importantly, April and Sarah not get eliminated. Yeah, we would have seen them feuding their way through uh, Morocco as well. Because we speculated last week that they'd had a massive falling out, and the rumour was true. They had a massive falling out, and they are still not really talking. Yeah, every story I hear about what they went through is just sort of like, well, that was a powder keg. Yeah. Apparently they're still business partners, but nothing else. I wonder if they're actually friends before they went on the race. Well, they were friends from growing up. They weren't very nice to each other in the car. <laughs> no, they weren't. But that was funny. Like you've, you've like you've seen like both of them like a, recounting what happened, and like every every attempt it seems to be like painting the other in a bad light, right? Like who do you believe on this? Because like I mean, I'm inclined to believe April because she's like seems more like rational and and like you know less like a troll you'll find under a bridge because like sarah never smiled but like you know you hear stuff like april says is like um apparently like she tried to get she managed to almost get them a seat at like the very front of the plane but then sarah's like no apparently april like almost found their like the pit stop like way earlier than they did on the first leg but like because she saw the filming crew yeah they they stumbled upon the location where they were recording recording the interviews post race i think i heard something else i heard like that um I heard that they like saw it, saw them in the distance, but like Sarah ignored her and they went off. But like apparently, they, she went back to check and they were gone. But that's I don't know where I heard this, but like apparently, um, Cedric and Sean were having a huge fight with production and like apparently yelled at them to get, yelled at them to get on the ground. I'll see where we can find the interview for this. I'll... Yeah, I said I remember that part where Cedric was yelling at production to get on the ground so that April and Sarah wouldn't see the pit stop. I remember reading that too. Interesting. And we actually have some questions this week that have been sent in briefly on Facebook. 
So, Sven Derek wants to know if Chris is the best French fry ever, who or what was the former title holder of the best French fry ever? I don't even know how to I, answer that question. I don't understand the question, so I won't respond to it. <laughs> and he also said, why didn't Brittany do the uh, the last ketchup uh, dance at the French fries task? <laughs> Which is a cracking question. I say, uh-huh, uh-huh, That was, a, in the words of Phil Kogan, that was an opportunity wasted. I'd forgotten how odd-looking Last Ketchup are. I was watching the video earlier. And Explain, anybody Michael. who's a fan of Last Ketchup has, has stopped listening to this podcast. Thanks, Michael. We lost an entire market. You watch the video and you just think, they are quite funny-looking. It sounds really mean when I say it, but like, watch the video, you'll see what I mean. They're quite weird-looking. But in all honesty, I reckon that Britney probably did sing the... Uh, the Last Ketchup song, and then it was cut because they couldn't get the rights to it, because Last Ketchup were demanding too high a fee. Yeah, they, they wanted millions. They wanted millions for for the rights to be used. And Kurt also wants to know which tastes better, frit, fry, or chip? And the answer is chip, because it's the only thing you should actually be saying. Incorrect. You're outnumbered here, Logan. Chip. 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 <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going home. Sorry, Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> so, next time, teams head to Morocco, and there is belly dancing, sabotage, and Cedric is pushed to the limit. Push it to the limit. I want to know what the sabotage is. Well, it's stealing the gnome, by the look of things. Yeah, I want to <laughs> know what what's happening there. I just can't wait for next week to see the Travelocity Romy gnome finally held hostage on The Amazing Race. I've been waiting 30 seasons for this. And why are Eric and Daniel getting no airtime? What's the deal with that? Are they really that boring? What? I don't even know what their hashtag is. Firefighters? Is that it? I had no idea. Or was that already used in season 25? I think it was, but I can't. I, I keep waiting for it to see it, and I, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I just uh, I found apparently um, the, the thing about April and Sarah not, uh, seeing cameras and not seeing cameras was like, uh, that was from uh, Justin's recap when she, she was a guest on last week. Ah, right. Yeah, it happened because Cedric started yelling at producers to lay on the ground. I can understand that, though, because, like, you know, I've already lost one placement to Eric and Daniel, and, like, you know, once, it, once you've done that, you might as well, you don't want to lose anything more than that. Um, and how spoiled are you on the season, Ben? Uh, I know the I know the entire boot order. As do I. I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who's only looking at edit analysis. I, like, go into the assumption that even though it's 100% spoiled, I treat it as 99% spoiled with the 1%, ch- with 1% like being how I approach it when I talk on the podcast, so yeah. I thought that might be the answer, I just wanted to make sure before I ask the next question. Uh, so, who do we think is going next? So in other words, it's just a question for me and Michelle. Yeah. I think, can't be Cedric and Sean, because they tease that Cedric might go home next round due to an injury. So, probably Chris and Trevor, because they haven't really received... No. Let's go with Eric and Daniel. I think they're still just... They're still going to be terrible at the race. Twins I just think... don't do well at this. Uh, I think a lot of history of the Amazing Race proves you're wrong there, but okay. Um, I think Eric and Danielle might last a few more legs because, like, I can see them sort of cockroaching through. But if I had to guess, it'd probably be like Trevor and, Trevor and Chris next, probably leaving. I, I like, think because we don't see Eric and Daniel very much, I'm thinking maybe them, Cedric and Sean. I think Joey's just going to fall down somewhere and not be able to get up again. I don't see Team Chomp. Just call them Joey and Tim. I'm refusing to mention the 
the names anyway. I mean, uh, I just I do that because I wasn't I wasn't on the preview podcast, so I don't remember, I don't remember their names. It's also because like like, it's like there's five male teams. So I'm like I can't remember that they all have we they all have like you know their names are all white and Anglo-Saxon and shit. So I can't remember them. Let's call them by their weird their stupid team names. I think when Joey does eventually faint or like fall down the race, you know how most people get an injection of like I don't know. Um, <laughs> Like uh, adrenaline or something like that. Really? Like that he needs like an he EpiPen a, a heart attack. Or EpiPen, <laughs> adrenaline, or an EpiPen for him. It's just gonna be an injection of like uh, fat from a hot dog or French fries or something that goes into the side of his body or his abdomen, and that's how they bring him back. That sounds like some sort of horrific plastic surgery, like back alley plastic <laughs> surgery. Reverse gastro bypass. <laughs> I just have the wonderful image that if Joey ever falls down, he's just going to fall on his back and turtle and like not be able to get back up again. <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to be there with his arms and his legs just going, someone help me. Do I roll? What do I do? But yeah, it's got to be Eric and Daniel or Chris and Trevor going next because both are receiving fairly underwhelming edits and then Eric and Daniel have just been barely surviving these first two legs. Yeah. So, is there anything else to say? Uh, do we have like do you do we have, like any other predictions like top three? Who do you think is gonna make top three? Me and you know Ben, so like I said, I can get I can guess as a viewer. I think top three: Christian, Jen, and really don't know. Maybe Trevor and Chris. Maybe I don't know about the third. I see uh, Christian and Jen making the top three because they're getting the they're getting the fan getting the female fan favorite out. Uh, I see Henry and Evan making the top three. And possibly winning. And I see also see Brittany and Lucas cockroaching up there. I would love it so much. Like Logan and Chris. Logan. What I would love to happen is Henry and Evan and Lucas and Brittany to just team up and, you know, be a fun pairing. I think those two teams would work quite well together. I could see that. So yeah, anything else to say? Yeah. What about my top three? What about your top three, Logan? Come on. Speak up. <laughs> Quick. Okay. Now. Uh, now. Now. Let's go. Now. Now. Let's stop it. Uh, Chrissy and Jen, Henry and Evan. Speaking of like the all-female teams, two out of the three have gone out very, very quickly. I don't know what it is with the American version, but they can't mm. find the really strong all-female teams like the other franchises do. And yet five of the top nine are all-male teams. And uh, Henry and Evan, Christy and Jen, and let's go, the third team being... Um, Let's go to Lucas and Brittany. Why not? I, 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 I deserve that. We all deserve that. And I'm very proud of you for not speaking Spanish this week, Logan. Yes, I, I figured everyone wanted to be spared from my Espanol. Did you hear the clips that I put at the end of last week's podcast? Yes, I did. That's, that's the <laughs> stuff from Portal that you were talking about? Yes, it is. Hola. <laughs> so yeah, anything else to say? Uh, that head-to-head, why do they have it at the end of the episode? Because they're idiots, Logan. They're idiots. Like, why at the end of the episode? It makes everything else on this leg completely null and void. I understand that it's more an Americanization to make it more sports-like and really up the stakes by having this task to determine the fate of everybody in this episode and having those cheesy little graphics showing each showdown. But this is still the amazing race. They could have still had enough dramatization and and all those little graphics that they had in the middle of the episode, that would have been fine. But no, they want this whole big grand thing at the end. They should have had it at the start where, you know, it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. 
And then April and Sarah would still be in the race, and Eric and Daniel, even though they're like the only non-stunt casting team in this race, they would have been gone, because I don't know what they're bringing to the table as of yet. At least they were humble and acknowledged that April and Sarah were the better team, but that doesn't make me feel better. April and Sarah essentially got screwed over. Yeah, they got screwed by a twist. Or a goat. Wait, no, no, no. (laughs) And that is a point to end the episode (laughs) on. <laughs> so yeah thank you for listening to this URT number podcast you can join us next weekend to recap episode 3 if you've got any questions feel free to contact us on our Facebook page Reality TV Warriors on our Twitter account RTV Warriors or on our Twitter pages MJ Hamster for me Log Super Quacky for Logan Ink One Wife for Ben and Bear 3 for Michelle see you next week bye bye peace out and just chill till the next episode what You have been away from the podcast for a while, Ben.